What if joy is not only entangled with pain, suffering, and sorrow, but is also what emerges from how we care for each other through these things? Raske. Welcome. I'm Krista Riley Davidegi, founder of a life in progress.ca and rebrandingmiddleage.com. My work is for freedom seekers, truth tellers, and stubborn questioners, highly sensitive souls, slow movers, and non-hustlers, the anxious, grieving, weary, and healing, reforming people pleasers, perfectionists, performers, and peacekeepers, brave, messy, curious humans, ready to quiet the conditioning and noise to reclaim freedom, health, and joy. I'm glad you're here. I learned to armor up at a really young age. I've thought about this a lot over the years as I've done my own healing work and um, and tried to figure out, you know, some of the whys behind my own experiences. But two of my childhood friends died really young, one by cancer or of cancer and another in a house fire just down the road. We adopted siblings. Um, who had been abused. Not all of my adopted siblings were abused, um, and a couple were. Um, and because there was no support for them, they also, you know, brought some chaos into our home. And I would love to clarify that they were little people and they needed support. And as a family, we needed support. And, um, and this is in no way, there is no blame for them. And, but it was hard. And one of them um, purposely burned down our house when I was 11 years old. My own internal sense of not being enough, wherever the heck that came from, that was also part of the deal. And then my mom was um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was 20, 21, and she um, got 10 more years of life and then died when I was 30, 31, and my dad 10 years later also died by cancer. So I lived terrified, I think, of the next bad thing that lay around the bend. And in earlier episodes, I've shared about my perfectionist tendencies um, being one of the ways that I try to feel safer in the world by ordering my life with precision and rigidity where I could. I remember even in my first little house, I I, I don't remember 100% what was going on, but um, maybe something was going on in my family. Like I think maybe my dad was in a health crisis, and my husband and I were always the ones who would be called on to come and take care of the little, my younger siblings. Anyways, I remember the awareness that I could not allow myself to feel too happy because then there would be farther to fall. I, I want to share a bit of an unstructured conver- a chat today, um, solo chat, on the topic of joy. And, and in doing so, introduce kind of roughly 
the next season of the Rebranding Middle Age podcast, which will focus on embodied joy. Um, what does that, you know, what does that mean? What does it look, sound, feel like? Um, how do we make that happen in our lives? Is it even a true possibility? Um, first, I guess I'll just share, you know, I just shared about my own armoring up from a really young age and Brene Brown in a, I think it was like a, a speech she gave at the, or a talk at the University of Minnesota, don't remember when, she shared how we armor up. It's very common for humans to armor up and we do so to avoid shame, anxiety, uncertainty, and fear. And our armoring up usually revolves around one of three methods. So maybe you will recognize yourself in one of these. Striving for perfection, numbing out. Oh yeah, I did that pretty well too. And third, disrupting joyful moments by dress rehearsing tragedy and imagining all the ways that things could go wrong. So if you do see yourself in any of these again, like be kind to yourself because this is very, very common. And um, and I want to explore and offer, if not today, then in the next season, ways that you can change those patterns of behavior and find safety in feeling joy and the fullness of your human experience. So, which leads me to the truth that joy is in fact one of the most common basic human emotions, apart from some exceptions, some medical reasons why people don't have access to joy um, or cannot feel it and experience it. It is accessible to us in general. Yet it is also, Brene Brown says, the most vulnerable human emotion. So again, my notes are, yeah, I, I'm just going to actually go hunt for, what did it, a quote. Oh yeah, um, oh, I guess it was just another Brene Brown quote. Without vulnerability, there is no love, belonging, or joy. So anyway, joy is, according to her and her research, the most vulnerable human emotion. Um, and and it makes sense that we want to self-protect by armoring ourselves against the hurt that can come if we risk allowing joy into our bodies and lives. But what is joy? Let's spend a few minutes there. I, I am going to share a little bit of my own trajectory or journey um, and relationship to joy in a few minutes. Um, but for now, I've always, I'll share that I've always been curious about joy. Um, for a lot of my life, I didn't even think it was a possibility for me, to be honest. And then as I did a lot of healing work and, um, I don't know, maybe the past two decades, I've been 
seeking joy. My very first tagline for my business was um, pursuing a life of purpose, health, and joy. Hasn't really changed that much. Um, And though purpose and meaning are really, really important to me, these days I say uh, reclaiming freedom, health, and joy. But purpose and meaning is always there in the back of my mind. So, yeah, so what is joy? Um, you know, so I would listen and read and ask questions and and um, and notice my own experiences and, you know, check out definitions in the dictionary and read happiness research and and kind of like dive in looking for more information that felt solid around joy. And especially like, how the heck do I have more of it in my body and my life? And honestly, the what I found was largely unsatisfactory. So what I what you'll find probably even today, if you do a Google search or you know, look in a dictionary um, for the definition of joy, it's often defined as just sort of a gradient of happiness. And that never rang true for me, but you know, so I kept digging. And so today, again, my notes are rough and kind of all messy, but um, I want to share a few quotes. And rather than try to offer a, you know, one, a one size fits all definition of joy, I just want to offer these few different thoughts and let you sit with that for a while. So um, I have to actually go to my photos on my phone. Well, there are two um, quotes that I would like to read. And I've shared both of them online on my Facebook pages and maybe Instagram. Um, But they are by Richard Wagamese, an Indigenous author, um, no longer alive, but his work is beautiful and thoughtful and worth your time if you are looking for some new reading. Um, So this one says, rejoice, an odd word that literally means to experience joy again. That should be our daily mission, to experience joy again. Sure, there's stuff that needs doing, stuff to wade through and stuff to fix, But there's also the joy of small things, a hug, a conversation, walking on the land, listening to great music or enjoying enjoying silence and a cup of tea. Rejoice, fill yourself again. And um, I, I created these, I'm not sure, like a year or more ago, and but there's a fun little connection um, that I hadn't realized actually until today, preparing for this episode. I have shared that the theme for my Brave and Beautiful community this school year is filled up and overflowing. And um, at my birthday visioning in July, I always listen inward for a new or around there. Anyways, I always listen in for a new sense of direction, not only personally, but also for my work. And I used to do that as a homeschooling parent too, right? That was a perfect time to kind of listen for what is the theme, you know? Um, 
And then everything else would kind of fall into place once I had that. So it delighted me that, you know, filled up and overflowing. And then I came back to this quote, rejoice, fill yourself again. Because the thing that I most want to be filled up and spill over is joy. All right. So the second Richard Wagamese quote that I want to share is, um, is this. How do you find your life's purpose? I have to find my joy first, what really moves my spirit. Once I find my joy, I am led to my passion, the daily articulation of joy. Then through a kinetic and passionate interaction with the world, I am led to my purpose. The secret lies in joy. There's so many good things to say about this. And when I first came across, um, I don't remember what book I pulled this from, um, one of his books that I read, but um, when I first came across these quotes, I didn't even know, I didn't even see all the connections that I see today in and all the wisdom and truth in, in what he was sharing, things that I want to explore more with you. But, you know, so for instance, this leads me to another quote, um, another idea, but it's really how our purpose or meaning are really tangled up with our experience of joy. So um, I came across the idea of joy snacks in the past year. And when I was reading about this idea of joy snacks, I um, read, let's see, oh, here it is. Um, I read this. Joy is a distinct positive emotion for when we feel connected or reunited with something or someone that's really important to us. Um, and that was written by Philip Watkins, a psychologist who studies joy, gratitude, and happiness. So this makes so much sense to me. You know how sometimes you have experiences of something and it's like you don't have language for it yet, but then you come across a quote or an idea or something and you're like, yes, that, you know, that put words to this feeling or sense of something. Well, this help start framing out or giving language to what I have noticed about my own experience of joy. Um, it's, it's something that we don't go hunting for, but it's almost like, it, well, what I have taught and what I do believe is like, it's always present. And, and it's not something that we need to worry about necessarily, um, like hunting it down or striving for it. It's more an experience of allowing it and noticing it and even savoring it. So when we feel connected with something or someone that's important to us, we experience experience this emotion of joy. 
So there can be an element of contentment or pleasure or delight or happiness or well-being, but but there is a different flavor. And, and I guess I'm just realizing I don't need to try to go too far in that direction because hopefully I can explore it more in the next episode. And one, one more idea that I want to share around this idea of what is joy. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to find sort of a, you know, specific definition exactly, but more kind of just plant some seeds. So, um, looking for it in my very messy notes. Okay, so Kristen Neff and Andrew Costigan wrote, when we are mindful of our suffering and respond with kindness, we cope with greater ease. We create a state of mind and heart that reduces psychopathology while enhancing joy and meaning in life. So Kristen F., if you don't know her, she is one of the leading researchers around self-compassion. And I will say that I, I believe that self-compassion is one of the gateways to joy. And um, I actually don't think, I'm not sure that it's possible to, ex to truly experiencing, experience joy without self-compassion. But I don't think that means necessarily that you have to have sort of the science around self-compassion, because I think a lot of us, we find our own pathways, right, to healing and freedom. And people have done this for centuries, right? They didn't have the internet, they didn't have online courses, but they sure developed wisdom. Um, but this when we so 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 Kristen and Andrew are are saying that there is a state of mind and heart um correlated with an an experience of joy. All right. Um so joy it is a human emotion. It's a positive human emotion. It's one of our basic human emotions. It's one of the most vulnerable human emotions. And again, one of the things that feels most important to me, and I'm so open, you know, I'm going to keep studying and researching and wherever I can. And so I'm open to learning more, changing my mind, whatever. But it seems to me that if we want to be filled up with joy, if we want to experience embodied joy, it is more about allowing that, giving ourselves permission um, to experience it and through self-kindness and which is a component of self-compassion, learning how to feel safe in that vulnerability, um, which is a prerequisite as well. So that vulnerability, uh, we're not going to get rid of that. And so learning how to be in that vulnerability allows us to 
allow the joy, experience it, feel it, not chase it away, not armor up against it. Or um, what was the thing that she said? Disrupt it by dress rehearsing tragedy. So, yeah, so joy and meaning are tangled up together, I believe. And, and, and I, and I really feel excited about exploring this more in the months to come. Um, if on Netflix, there's a series on right now called, I think it's called live to 100 or something. And it's by Dan, um, can't remember his last name, but he's the guy who has written published books and information about the blue zones for years and years. So he, it's more, it's about the blue zones and, you know, what, you know, what leads to these healthy um, people who are also experiencing longevity um, and, and the health into in right to the end of their days. And one of the threads that connects them is the sense of meaning or purpose expressed in different ways. And, and so anyways, that's kind of a side note, but if you're interested, you might be able to find that on Netflix. So my own timeline, um, a few things that I wanted to share, you know, I shared a little bit about my childhood and learning how to armor up and then slowly came the unraveling, learning how to trust that I was strong enough to feel I had what it take. I have what it takes to face hard things and not be destroyed by them. Um, in 2015, when I launched a life in progress.ca, I called myself, I made up a made up term. I called myself a joyful living educator. That was truly an act of trusting my gut and being brave. Um, and honestly, that was really, I didn't have a hard time necessarily like popping that on my website. But when people would ask me, what do I do? Oh my gosh, the idea of saying out loud, I am a joyful living educator was just like horrendous. I could not do that. So I would say other things like I'm a mind body health educator or I'm a woman's health educator, or whatever. It felt less weird, more, you know, like they would just understand what that means, etc. But looking back, I'm like, I am proud of myself for claiming that title. And I do think that is exactly what I've been doing as I've been learning myself how to do this work. And honestly, I have never claimed to be a guru sitting on a soapbox or standing on a soapbox anywhere. I have always said, I am here practicing with you. So, you know, there was a lot of work before that time, before I ever, you know, decided to launch my business and, and did all the preparation and the studying leading up to that. But since 2015, even a few of the 
key things that have um, been highlights, I guess, of this journey leading to more joy and a deeper experience of joy included really getting to understand self-compassion as a practice, not an idea. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that I've talked about over and over that really not only self-compassion, but self-awareness, self-compassion, imperfect action, this sort of cycle, these three things that just go together in my mind and experience. Also, changing my relationship to stress, fear, and the inner critic. Um, and in changing the relationship, what I was really doing is learning how to befriend all of myself and my whole human experience. Some of that, a part of that was also that permission to feel, like instead of numbing the feelings with different coping mechanisms, slowly learning safety in allowing the feeling in my body um, and not just the emotion, but the physical sensations that came with the emotions. And honestly, that was... And still is the hardest. It's not an intellectual concept of an emotion. It's the, what does it feel like in our body, you know? Um, and the fear that that can bring up for many of us. And then a third part of this has been building community in a meaningful way. And that is very much tangled up with my sense of meaning and purpose. In 2018, in December, I've shared this before, so very quick recap. I had this experience that I used to call a vision, not knowing what else to call it. Now I, I use the term a numinous experience. Um, and and so I had this experience where I saw this big gaping wound being stitched up. And then I saw myself barefoot walking, carrying these buckets up a grassy path. And the buckets were sloshing over onto my feet. And I wondered, what is that? And I heard those are sloppy buckets of joy. And, and then my son tried to die for the first time. And we were in full nightmare crises mode trying to keep him alive and I'd already been trying to keep him alive for a long time before that and then he died and from 2019 when he died forward to this day I have been practicing I have been making the stubborn decision or choice to allow joy to live in my body and my life alongside the grief and the pain. I think I might have shared in a previous episode that, you know, there were times, 17 months where I was dissociating hours a day and having extreme panic, uh, living in panic disorder. And I, I was just, I was clear I'm like I, I was gonna swear I'm not gonna swear here but um I was just like no I am I am going to allow this so if there was even a flutter of happiness you know maybe my family and I laughed together or we were together and it just I could feel 
the joy and I had to choose it. I had to, it was almost like I had to say yes to it consciously. And then immediately, like within a millisecond, my whole body would be flooded with panic. And my, I would start dissociating. But even there, I learned safety in the midst of all of this, what was happening in my body. Because I, even though there's so much more I want to learn about this and keep practicing, I knew that it was going to be key to my survival and learning to thrive forward. In 2021, I took a class. um, It was called something like Enneagram for Therapists or something like that by Michael Shahan. Um, I love the Enneagram, side note. And um, it was a great course. And he, it was for, you know, therapists in the title, but for coaches, mental health professionals, you know, whoever. And in that course, I was introduced to the idea of soul child theory. Um, Maybe I'll kind of have some space to go and maybe I'll even see if he wants to come on as a guest one day to chat about this. But um, he didn't come up with this, but he shared somebody else's work on soul child theory. And, And all I will say here is that I am an Enneagram one. And what I learned through this and what really resonated and rang so true for me And honestly, I think it's why I've been so drawn to this work, even though it seems like such a, so incongruent sometimes with the truth of how I, you know, my, all my fear and angst and everything. And yet I'm so drawn to joy. And, um, but I learned that we, at least in, you know, if you like the Enneagram, if you're into it and soul chai theory, it's like, we go to one of these numbers the number where, which is often referred to as our growth line. So for an Enneagram one type, it would be the seven that that is our soul child. Um, and the idea that that is really that, that gives you a picture of not the fullness, but a, a sense of your essence or who you were, um, before you learned fear, before you learned to mask and hide, you know, before you learned to shut down the parts of yourself that didn't seem to be received. Um, and, and so for me, that would be that seven, that sense of adventure and playfulness and, and joy and, um, and, and it makes sense. And I could see flashes of this breakthrough throughout my whole life, like where I'd be, I'm so afraid over here, but then I would jump on a plane at 19 and move to England. Um, just like, you know, take a risk and just go there. No job lined up, nothing. Just like dive in heart first. Or, you know, I met my husband and within two weeks, I knew that we were going to be married. And yet we didn't speak the same language. I became fluent in French that summer. Um, we come from different cultures and um, and complete, you know, different continents and all the things. And it's like, but I, I would just dive in heart first. And most of the biggest choices I've made in my life have been made that way. Now, I mean, it's tied to my gut. Like I have a really strong sense of inner 
like intuition and knowing, but I think it's no, it's more than that. I also think it's this kind of determination to see life as a grand adventure and to say yes to all of it. So anyways, if you're interested in, in that, um, I could, I do have a book title that I could share with you if you reach out, but otherwise, you know, you could probably Google that too. Soul child theory. Uh, all right. So then in autumn, 2022, I started to feel this draw. Well, I, I think it was more almost like, uh, an awareness that so far in my life, and this was just last, like not this summer, but the one before I really have known joy almost as an intellectual experience. You know, I'm always, like I said, in research and reading and contemplating and thinking. And and it occurred to me that I, I wanted now to learn how to embody joy, how to move it from my head deeper down into my body, um, you know, and my heart center, which I connect to like emotions and our values, that type of connection. And then even deeper where it lives in the body, almost as a new muscle memory or instinct, like as your lived experience now. And, and so that was coming up for me. And I did some work with my somatic practitioner that was helpful and through that work, I really saw my fear and how I was, I would just go into like shutdown when I would get really close to that part of me that was joy. You know, again, like I actually believe that is my essence and I believe it's all of our birthright. So... So I think I, I'm going to do more somatic work along those lines. Um, but there's always a season for everything. And, and I haven't, it's not quite yet. So then this summer, as I was doing my visioning work and then listening inward for my focus for the next year of my Brave and Beautiful Community, what came up strong one day was this idea of filled up and overflowing. And really that ties back to that numinous experience I had before my son died, where I saw myself carrying those sloppy buckets of joy. And what I knew in that moment, which was now four and a half years ago, was that I am a joy carrier. And you know, just like calling myself a joyful living educator felt kind of horrifying and I had to grow into that. I've also had to grow into that vision of myself and be able to simply claim that as part of my identity, even though it doesn't really mean I know how to always live that. One of the things that has become like clearer and clearer for me is that, like I said in the last episode, is that the space there's a space between vision and fruition, right? And we have to grow into the vision. Just because we have it and we claim it doesn't mean we're there yet. It means 
That's what we are saying we choose for ourselves. And now we have to work. We have to practice. So, yeah, so this summer, you know, I... I realized it's time. It's time to go deeper into that part of who I am and that calling or longing or thread of curiosity even and kind of just see how it unravels. Like, that's pretty exciting, right? Like, I, if I hear something so strongly and I say yes to it, I always know it's going to be a, a ride. <laughs> it's going to be an adventure, so as we move in my brave and beautiful community this year, my, my background intention is to be doing this work. I want to be filled up and overflowing with joy. Other good things do, but primarily joy. And I will be inviting every woman who gathers with me to think and to name for themselves what it is that they want to be filled up with and what they want to be so filled up with that they slosh it over into their circle of impact. Um, this year, so I want to explore like what does joy look, sound, feel like? What it doesn't mean, by the way, is constant, a constant smile on your face or pure delight. That isn't reality. And, and, um, yeah, so I want to explore that, um, in my, if just in case you are interested in the BNB, by the way, I have a graphic on, on my, um, website on my sales page. And I've divided it into kind of four general themes as we explore being, you know, this theme, overarching theme of filled up and overflowing. So like, relationship with self, relationship with home and environment, relationship with others and community, and relationship with legacy and meaning and expressing ourselves. And all of these, by the way, are things where in the research around joy or the literature around joy, I'm going, these are, there are threads that I want to be bringing in. You know, things, for instance, like the environment, what does the research say about um, how our environment impacts joy? Um, you know, things like that. And again, not only joy, but mind, body, health, well-being, life satisfaction, etc. But one of the parts of this is that, you know, what where I started, I'm going and I'm actually gonna going to wrap up here. Um, is that I, I believe and I, I can't speak with total confidence yet, but I have seen enough, read enough that I, I'm like, okay, I have an inkling of how joy is connected with each other, community, and, and our sense of meaning and purpose within community. And I often refer to our circle of impact. And I believe that each of us have gifts to offer our circle of impact. And it's not about being any different from who you are or doing some splashy thing that is celebrated in the press. It's about just being an in integrity, like showing up whole 
and in your true self. And when we do that, I believe we just naturally spill over. It's not about perfection. It's not about having no scars or wounding or been unresolved or unhealed places. It's about just showing up real as we are. Um, and as we, you know, learn how to love ourselves well, and we get filled up with self-compassion and joy, we, we do make an impact in this world. And so next summer session, when I'm talking, we're talking about legacy and meaning and expression of true self, that's kind of what I'm thinking of in the background. What kind of world do you want to live in? And again, this is not only for people who want to join my membership. So I'm just really, you know, this is something that I hope you'll sit with and see what comes up for you. You know, like, what is the impact you want to make? Um, what impact are you making? You know, like I, I often say, I want to leave a legacy of wholeness and joy for my daughters. And again, and one of the ways to do that is to continue to take responsibility for my own healing. You know, when we, if we will take responsibility for our healing, part of what we're doing often is healing intergenerational stuff. So that, you know, we are, our experience of well-being and, and life satisfaction increases but even more importantly, I think, is that that spills over or, you know, it has a ripple effect um, and impacts the lives of all of those people within your circle of impact. So, okay, I'm going to wrap up here. So if you're interested in joy, Increasing life satisfaction, mind, body, health, um, you know, feeling safe at home and joyful in your body and your life, then hopefully you'll join me for season two of the podcast and we'll just see how that unravels. Imperfect action here. Um, two little ideas. One is to simply sprinkle more joy snacks into your everyday life. And the idea of joy snacks is that this is off. These are often just the, the things that are already present. They tend to be small and meaningful things um, and not sort of the one off big events that we often believe are the things that will like boost our happiness. So, you know, like that Richard Wagamese quote that I started with, that cup of coffee, the conversation, the walk in the woods, the, you know, listening to music you love, laying on the couch, reading a good book, like whatever it is for you, just allow more of that into your days. And my experience is that if we don't track something, if we don't consciously make the space and really kind of watch that we are honoring that space, it's not going to happen. So if you want to try this, I would get really clear. How many times a week do you want to do this? Where are you going to do this? How are you going to check in? And then kind of dive in and see what happens. And the second part of this would be 
simply to, and you could do it as a both and, like do it on top of the joy snacks or separate from, but it would be to simply pause and notice when you are noticing that feeling of joy or pleasure, delight, well-being, etc., and just stay there for 20 or 30 seconds. Savor it. Um, there is research around this, and it's just that we are our minds naturally see the negative, the hard stuff in our lives, but we have to consciously choose to see and feel the good. So savoring even 20 to 30 seconds increases your sense of well-being. You're just kind of letting it soak in because the reality is a lot of us, most of us have good things in our days, even when there are extremely difficult things also happening. Um, If we can practice allowing and savoring those little hits of good, it really helps strengthen us so that we can face the challenges of our lives. What I am enjoying. So I came across a quote, very short little quote by Khalil Gibran in the past week. I think I heard it on a podcast and um, I Googled it and found his poem. I think it's called On Work, might be wrong. But the quote is simply, work is love made visible. And I've been sitting with that and I have shared it with so many people already. But it there's just so much there. And I love this idea of offering, you know, I I always want to do this, offer my love, my work from a place of love, because I show up differently. Um, If I do, but also it speaks to me of embodied love you know we're talking about embodied joy embodied love like when you're so full of something that it spills over that's what it makes me think of so work is love made visible so whether you're a mama at home tending to kiddos and nesting or you're in a busy office environment or running your own business or you're out in the oil field you know whatever you're doing what would happen if you you know, tried this out? Like, what would it feel like for you? What would it be like for you if this was your stance, that your work is love made visible? I will say, like, some people have horrible jobs, hate their jobs, stressful environments. But I have also read stories of people in that type of circumstance where a shift similar to this, not maybe exactly like this, I'm not sure, but Um, made a huge difference. So I'll just drop that there. Um, In terms of invitation, I'm just going to keep talking for a bit until we begin um, the new season of my B&B community. So again, the theme for the year, filled up and overflowing. Um, We begin the session October 9th. So you can join us up until the Friday before that. That's a Monday, the Friday before Um, and you can join for one session or you can join for the full year, or you can join for a full year and coaching. If you have questions again, reach out. Um, I will happily help you figure out if this does seem like they're a right fit for you in this season or not, or just go ahead and read some of the testimonials. Like the work in here is powerful. Um, it is 
the the changes the the there are life changing things happening in people's lives and i i am not exaggerating um i have the privilege of witnessing this people share what's going on for them and um yeah if so if you are a midlife woman somewhere in the middle season of life again you get to self select um if you are growth minded you're a curious human you might be so weary you might feel beat up by life um that is okay many of us have lots of different things happening in our lives and but we want to learn how to feel more intentional in our lives we want to feel more at home and joyful in our bodies and our lives we want more freedom emotional freedom relational freedom you know freedom of all sorts and and so if any of that speaks to you then come come check things out all right so we are taking i'm taking break for i think it's 5 weeks um because this is new for me i kind of wanted to give myself lots of space and time i will be back darn it i i don't have it in front of me oh yeah i do here it is okay i'm i'll be back with season 2 on october 26 so i'm taking 5 weeks off um yeah and i look forward to continuing the conversation with you around joy in particular and um until next time make peace with messiness to make space for joy thanks for being here with me